0: part three chapter one of garcia marino by custom birth This libervox recording is in the public domain Recording by maria therese third part a christian state eighteen sixty-nine to eighteen seventy-five chapter one a president in spite of himself eighteen sixty-nine on resuming the government of the country garcia marino was quite determined to realize the idea of a truly catholic state of which he had only been able to lay the foundations during his first term as president on the twelfth of february he took the first step by suppressing the university of quito of which he had long deplored the incurable vices considering says the decree that the organization and direction of this public institution had been so abused that the university in addition to the bad effects produced by the insufficiency of its teaching has been a hotbed of perversion to the youth who frequented it owing to the detestable doctrines therein inculcated. We declare the university dissolved, and the Council of Public Education suppressed. Another decree closed the National College of Cuenca as, another hotbed of immorality, founded at great expense two years before, without any reason but that of wishing to injure the prosperity of a Catholic college which was already existing. The next thing he determined upon was the reform of the clergy. The revolutionist had so mutilated the Concordat as to deprive the bishops of all power. Garcia Marina hastened to re-establish it in its integrity. Having also taken other measures to restore financial and administrative order in the different departments of the state, he published a decree convoking the electors. The convention was to consist of thirty deputies, three for each province. The eligible candidates were to be not less than thirty years of age, and to possess a certain fortune." the principal work of this convention was to arrange the details of a new constitution which was afterwards to be submitted to the ratification of the people the prospect of this new constitution framed by garcia moreno and under his direct influence made the radicals and freemasons tremble with rage in spite of the exile of pedro carbo and others of their leaders they resolved once more to try a fresh revolution at guayaquil general jose vintamilla a secret agent of Urbina's having corrupted certain artillery officers went at six o'clock in the morning to the house of general Darquia, dragged him out of his bed and carried him off a prisoner to the barracks where he was placed under the guard of a certain number of men with orders to shoot him if he attempted to escape then the insurgents proceeded to the infantry barracks crying out viva Urbina! viva carbo viva ventimilla but thanks to the energy of some of the officers a counter-revolution had been organized the two parties fought in the streets till the revolutionists were forced back to their barracks where they defended themselves as desperate men during this time general Darquia, seeing that his guards were very unwilling to be constituted his jailers spoke to them quietly pointed out to them how they had been deceived and betrayed and persuaded them to help him in defending the position thereupon one of the soldiers seeing ventimilla from the window fired at him and shot him dead Profiting by the panic among the insurgents, owing to the death of their leader, Darquia dashed out of his prison, put himself at the head of his faithful troops, and completed the rout of the enemy. Their leaders fled ignominiously, leaving 150 men dead or wounded. Garcia Marina heard of the revolt and its suppression at the same time. He congratulated the people in the army on the fact that, the treachery which had been hatching for more than a year to deliver the republic to the infamous urbina had ended so ignominiously glory and honour to the god of armies he exclaimed the traitors reckoned on a triumph forgetting that in heaven there is an avenger of wrong praise and gratitude are due also to the heroic generals Darquia and araga and to all the officers and men who so promptly put down the insurrection may the repentance of the guilty enable us to judge them with mercy the arm of justice will fall solely on their leaders, on those who sowed their gold in order to shed the blood of their countrymen. The result was the exile of several heads of the movement to Peru and the imprisonment of others. General Ignacio Ventimilla, brother and accomplice of the rebel general, was ordered to quit Ecuador for a year. The state of siege was extended to all the provinces, which intimidated the rebels, who felt that the trade was too dangerous a one to be continued and the disgrace of several of the members of the Council of War, who had acquitted men, found with arms in their hands, proved that justice could no longer be mocked, as before, with impunity. This fresh attempt at insurrection, however, made people think seriously of forcing Garcia Moreno to take back his word and consent once more to being elected president. Hearing of this, Garcia Moreno put out an indignant protest, saying that nothing on earth would induce him to break his oath, and concluding with the words, everything must be sacrificed to one's country save faith conscience and honour the people ceased to petition but the wish to have garcia moreno as head of affairs was stronger than ever when he explained to his friends his proposals for the new constitution the leading men of his party represented to him how useless it was to bring it forward without his energetic arm to support it after the failure of carrion and espinoza there was little to be hoped for even from darquia who had yielded to the liberal party in an imprudent letter in which he had expressed his wish to be always guided by the national will. But Garcia Moreno remained inflexible on the sixteenth of May he appeared before the deputies to give an account of his short administration. His old minister Carvajal was the president. He opened his whole heart to them and explained the reason why he had acted as he did on the seventeenth of January and how he had been compelled to take the command of the army to save the country. He then entered into all the details of the new constitution, which he proposed to give to his country. He had had two objects in view in this proposal, the first to harmonize the political constitution with the religious belief of the people, the second to invest the government with sufficient authority to resist the assaults of anarchy. He embodied these views in a noble speech, which ended with the words, As my oath on the 17th of January precludes my taking office, you will not accuse me of egotism or of ambition if i ask you to strengthen an authority the exercise of which will not devolve upon me on his return home he instantly sent in his resignation of a charge which he had only accepted until the meeting of the convention and which he now considered it a duty to yield to another the deputies however were not of his opinion and protested unanimously against his decision garcia moreno still holding out however they elected manuel ascasubi as temporary president appointing garcia moreno general-in-chief of the army this, after some hesitation, he accepted, so that he might the more effectively defend religion in the country. Then the new constitution was debated, clause by clause, and in spite of the strenuous opposition of the liberals, was carried almost without any alteration. Even this, however, did not satisfy the deputies. They represented to Garcia Moreno that an oath which saddened all honest men and only gave joy to the revolutionist could not be considered binding and that to refuse the presidency would be incur the responsibility for all the evils which would result to the republic. That the people would never forgive him from a false sentiment of honor for having abandoned them into the hands of the enemies, both of their religion and their country. On the twenty-ninth of July the convention met in the Jesuit church, where, after a solemn mass, they proceeded to the election of a new president. When Garcia Moreno was unanimously elected, with only one dissenting voice, Carvajal hoped he would at once yield to this solemn manifestation of the national will, but he was mistaken. He implored the convention to consider the motives he had already alleged and to accept his renunciation of the honour. But the deputies flatly refused to listen to his excuses, considering that his services were absolutely indispensable to consolidate order and peace and to place the republic on a safe and constitutional basis. He was therefore summoned the following day to attend at the metropolitan church and to take the required oath to the constitution before such an order garcia Marina had nothing left for it but to submit the next day being the thirtieth of july surrounded by all the civil and military authorities he came to the cathedral and pronounced the following oath in presence of the clergy and all the people i swear before the lord our god and by his holy gospels to fulfil faithfully my charge as president of the republic to profess and preserve the one holy roman apostolic and catholic religion to preserve likewise the integrity and independence of the state to observe and cause to be observed the constitution and the laws if i keep my word may god be my helper and defender if not may god and the country be my judges carvajal became the interpreter of the whole nation in his speech of congratulations eight years ago he exclaimed you took the same oath on the same spot and nobly did you keep your word but to-day the obstacles which met you then at every turn have virtually disappeared. You have now full power to carry out the reforms required by the Constitution. You are at the head of a faithful army, and can reckon on the patriotism and morality of a people, who, having confided to you their destinies for the second time, have eloquently proved to you their gratitude and appreciation. Above all, you can reckon upon the help of that all-powerful God, who is always ready to grant the petitions of one who has no other aim than the good of religion in his country." García marina gave a noble answer to this speech and after describing the determination of the people to force this serious responsibility upon him in spite of his reiterated refusals and the many difficulties which had occurred during his previous presidency to hinder his efforts at reform he concluded with the words the morality and energy of the people the loyalty of the army free from the traitors who dishonoured its ranks the observance of the laws and the change in the constitution which your patriotism has given to the country and which the people have hastened to ratify by an immense majority, the union of the Republic with our allies in the new and old world, and above all an unlimited confidence in God, who has never abandoned us even in the days of our gravest reverses and misfortunes. These are the aids upon which I reckon to conquer my fears and to keep my oath. Happy shall I be if I have to seal it with my blood, in defense of religion in my country. Thus ended this memorable struggle between the people of Ecuador and the man they had chosen to govern them, History is rarely shown in such an instance, especially in these days of egotism and self-seeking, of a man obstinately refusing, for six months, the honours thrust upon him by a whole nation, and then only yielding before the imperious duty of defending the cause of religion and his country. End of Part 3 Chapter 1